0: All right, take your Bible today and turn with me to uh, one of the most, I believe, one of the most important chapters in the Bible, Uh, and that is the 21st chapter uh, of John. Um, And I say it's uh, one of the most important, uh, even though the Gospel of John could uh, could have technically ended after the 20th chapter. Uh, If it would have ended with the passage that uh, we looked at uh, last week, uh, the Gospel of John uh, would have been complete. Uh, It would have accomplished uh, its purpose, and its purpose was uh, that we would know Christ. Uh, As uh, you may have heard others say before, uh, if I could only uh, put one piece of the Bible in a lost man's hands, it would be the Gospel of John. Uh, because John uh, spends his time uh, pointing people to to know uh, Jesus Christ. And if it would have ended uh, with that uh, last verse, but these are written, uh, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. He has given us His purpose, uh, and He could have ended uh, right there. Uh, But chapter 21... Uh, is uh, what uh, in many books, if you were to pick up a a book in the library today, uh, you'll often see a book have uh, an an epilogue. Uh, It'll have, uh, it's almost uh, as if the author wrote the book and then realized after he got done uh, that he needed to go back and uh, add something for a little bit of clarity. Uh, And the reason this chapter is so important uh, is because without chapter 21, we would read the Book of Acts, uh, and we would get to Pentecost, and we would read uh, of Peter standing up and uh, and preaching at Pentecost, and we would be left scratching our head uh, because the last time we really knew anything about Peter, uh, he was uh, denying Christ. That's really uh, we don't we don't uh, without this chapter, uh, we wouldn't see what uh, changed and the transformation. Uh, in uh, in Peter's life. And so this chapter uh, is extremely important to our uh, understanding of, uh, of the rest uh, of the Bible. Uh, and so this morning we're going to begin looking uh, at this chapter and uh, again, you'll, uh, you'll notice if you, have, uh, if you look back over the previous 20 chapters, the tone, uh, again, the, uh, the nature of the writing uh, shifts some. Uh, as John says, kind of, oh, by the way, the Holy Spirit uh, urges him and inspires him, oh, by the way, tell them what happened to Peter. Uh, you know, tell them what happened to Peter after all of this, just so they'll, uh, they'll know. Uh, and what we have here uh, is uh, a, an example. In these first seven verses, what we're going to look at uh, is uh, a passage that, uh, that is very instructive uh, to you and I uh, as we go about our life uh, and hopefully uh, are seeking uh, the presence of God, uh, hopefully seeking the leadership uh, of God. Uh, in our life, hoping uh, that we are seeking uh, to see Jesus uh, in our life, and uh, revealed in our life, to see Jesus uh, leading our life, and guiding our life. Um, and, and so there's four things that, uh, that t- well, there's at least four things. There's a lot that happens uh, in, in this chapter. Uh, this chapter alone could probably uh, tie up, uh, dozens of books and hundreds of sermons. There's uh, a lot to be said uh, about this chapter. But I want to focus with you uh, this morning uh, in particular on on that aspect uh, of seeing Jesus and the presence of Jesus. Um, What we have here, when you look in this chapter, uh, you see that it says, after Jesus revealed himself, uh, after this, uh, again, uh, by the Sea of Tiberias or uh, Galilee. And what had happened is, as after the resurrection, Jesus had been uh, revealing himself at various times uh, to the disciples. And he had been, uh, been talking to them and, and, and kind of giving them some more teaching. Uh, and now it appears that for a while uh, they haven't seen him, uh, that he has been absent and so uh their their minds seem to uh, to to begin to wonder a little bit uh, as I think rightfully so they're you know they they're they're confused this is a new day uh, and, and so uh, we see that uh, the Bible says that peter says i'm going fishing uh and They go fishing, and you know the story. They uh, they fish all night. They catch nothing, uh, and uh, that next morning uh, they see someone standing up on. They hear a voice, and they see someone standing on the bank. He tells them to throw the net on the other side. Uh, They catch a huge uh, amount of fish, 153 according to scripture, Uh, and then John realizes that it's Jesus. Uh, And when John realizes it's Jesus, uh, Peter grabs his clothes, jumps. out the boat and swims to shore, you, you know the story, uh, and so what I want you to look at with me this morning are, are four things that happen here uh, that are important for us. If we're going uh, to keep our focus on Christ, if we're going to see Christ, if we're going to to, to know uh, the presence of God, uh, know His will, however you want to say it, uh, this story, uh, I think, gives us uh, some lessons uh, on how to do that. Beginning with, uh, again, we have here uh, this statement where they gather, uh, and it says Simon Peter, and uh, it it lists the disciples that are there, and then Simon says, I go a-fishing. I go a-fishing. I I love that statement. I I go a-fishing. And so uh, over the years, uh, Peter has been uh, chastised, and I'm sure if I go back uh, over 30-some years of ministry, I have uh, probably piled on as well. Uh, Peter has been uh, talked about, chastised, ridiculed, whatever, uh, for going fishing, uh, uh, for going back to the nets. Peter had been a fisherman by trade, uh, his father was a fisherman, uh, and now... Uh, the first opportunity he gets, uh, when Jesus isn't in sight, he goes back to his nets. He goes back uh, fishing, and, and I suppose there, um, there there may be some uh, just um, just cause uh, to that uh, to that accusation. Why did Peter uh, go fishing? He had been called. Uh, to leave that behind, he had been called in uh, to the ministry, um, and, and I suppose there, there's possibly, uh, maybe some justification in in, uh, in saying Peter shouldn't have went fishing. Uh, I would, uh, after studying it and looking at it, um, I, I would tend to uh, lean lead towards this uh, that there probably wasn't anything wrong with Peter going fishing. Uh, in fact, when I look, uh, let, let's just think about it for a moment. Uh, there's nothing wrong with fishing. Amen? Thank God. Uh, there's nothing wrong with fishing. Unless you're doing it on Sunday morning. There's nothing wrong with fishing. Jesus never once, after the, in this story, criticizes Peter or condemns Peter for going fishing, fishing is, is good. Um, you know, again, maybe it was maybe they needed some income. Maybe they were hungry. Maybe they were bored. Whatever. But there is nothing that I can see, uh, and again, I'm sure over the years I've preached that Peter was wrong for going fishing, but the more I've looked at it, the more I think about it, I, I, I think I was wrong, not Peter, uh, for saying that. Uh, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong uh, with Peter going fishing, but... And, and, and here's where I, I want to, to draw your attention uh, to, this, uh, to this story. Uh, as we look at this and think about uh, this for a moment, Jesus um, is, uh, again, hadn't been seen for a little while. Uh, and, and the first thing we come up with is Peter saying, I go fishing. And, and so the first thing that I, I want to point out to you, if we're going to see Jesus, if we're going to experience Jesus, Uh, Christ, if we're going to sense His leadership, His direction, His will in our life, the first thing we have to do is is deal with problems. Deal with problems. Those things that can distract us from our purpose. I want to remind you again um, that that there's nothing wrong with fishing. There's nothing whatsoever uh, wrong with fishing. It is an honest, honest, honorable way to make a living it is a good hobby it is a good way to relax it is a good way to feed your family all those things I can't see a thing wrong uh with fishing uh unfortunately here's the the flip side of that is that Peter had been called uh by Jesus uh to leave the nets and to go and make him what a fisher of man and so here, here's what I'm, uh, the point I'm trying to uh, make, uh, make to you. It is that uh, it would have been, it's very easy if we're not careful to get distracted from the things of God. Uh, again, Peter had been called to be a fisher uh, of men. And, and so uh, as he goes out, and now he goes and he says, I'm going fishing. Uh, if he you know. Well, I, you know, I kind of like fishing. And, you know, I'm pretty good at fishing. And, and you know, there's a, a case to be made for why they fished all night and caught nothing, uh, that, uh, that Jesus didn't want them to catch anything, uh, because if Peter would have caught a load of fish on his own, uh, he, he was likely to say, you know, I'm pretty good at this fishing stuff. I think I'll stay at it. And my point is, there are many things in our life that if we're not cautious can distract us from seeing Jesus. There are many things that can distract us from being obedient to the will of God. And the point I'm trying to make here, uh, that I'm just beating to death, uh, is this. That there was nothing wrong with fishing. Fishing is a good thing. But even... Good things can sometimes distract us from the best thing. Even good things, things that there are ordinarily nothing wrong with, can distract us from seeing God, being in the will of God. Let me give you one uh, for free right here. Uh, I'm probably going to make some enemies, but let me just uh, go on down that road. You just, if you're going to be my enemy, you're going to get in the back of the line because it's a long line. Uh, but let me just uh, go ahead and, and, and give you a, a great example. There is nothing wrong with sports. That, generally speaking, there is nothing wrong with gymnastics and cheerleading and dance and having your children involved in those things. Not only is there nothing wrong with them, they are probably good things. You know, it gets your children involved. It gets your children uh, exercise. It helps them learn to lose. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good that comes out of, uh, out of sports and participation in those kind of things. But when those things take you and your child out of church, then a good thing has become a distraction. Okay? There are a lot of good things. There's nothing wrong with money. But money, the Bible says the love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is a good thing. You don't believe it? Give me all yours and see how long you can go without. Money is a good thing. Archie, if you're going to give me all yours, let me know. I need to bring the trailer. Money's a good thing, but everybody in this room knows it can be a distraction. You can get so caught up in money that you take your eyes off of Christ. You take your eyes off of his leadership, his will for your life. There's all kinds of examples. Children, man, most of the time, are a good thing. Not always, but sometimes. But if you're not careful, you can get your life so caught up in your children that it takes your eyes off of God. Your spouse. Your health. You ought to take care of your health. But anything that comes in and gets between you and being the man or the woman that God wants you to be, has become a distraction, has become a problem, and you need to deal with it. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be drugs. It doesn't have to be... In fact, for the majority of people sitting in this room, for the majority of people uh, who are joining us online, it's not going to be something illicit or immoral. It may be. There are plenty of illicit and immoral things that that can be a hindrance. But the reality is, for most people I'm going to be talking to today, it's not the bad things that are bad, it's the good things we let become bad. Your hobby. Hobbies are great. Hobbies are good things. You ought to have some hobbies. You You ought to have some. Give you a break. Give your mind a, a, a break. You know, whatever it is. Cross-stitching or or whatever. You know, bowling or whatever. You ought to have some. But if they come between you and being who God called you to be and the man God wants you to be, the man or woman that God wants you to be, then that good thing has suddenly become bad and become a problem that needs to be dealt with. And so, Peter, nothing wrong with fishing. The problem is, if fishing gets between you and being who God wants you to be. Not, nothing wrong with my, my, most things that we get involved with. But if we're not careful, we get our priorities out of order. We get, our, uh, we get what's important shifted around. And the good things become bad things. And so we got to... Deal with the problems. You know what they are. Uh, I've I, I stabbed around and stirred the hornet's nest a little bit this morning. You know, but you, you know what it is in your life. Whatever your hobby is. Whatever that, whatever that is. That gets between you and, and being the person that, that God wants you to be. It's a problem. You need to deal with it. Second thing that we see in this passage. So we've got to deal with the problem. Second of all, we have to desire His presence. Verse 4. Again, Peter says, I'm going fishing. They say, I'll go with you. They go out and they catch nothing. And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the disciple, uh, on the shore, yet the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. Second thing that seems... Almost one of those duh ha moments. But if we're going to experience the presence of God, we have to desire the presence of God. We have to want it. We have to, we have to want the presence of God. Jesus was just a few feet away, and the disciples didn't see Him. The disciples didn't even recognize Him. Listen, we, I, I, again, I'm giving the disciples the benefit of the doubt for going fishing. In fact, again, not even am I giving them the benefit of the doubt, I don't see anything wrong with them going fishing. I'm going to go out on a limb, and you know, other commentators, other preachers can throw them under the bus. I don't see anything going wrong, wrong with going fishing. The only thing I see wrong is they fished all night and didn't catch anything. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the problem. But, The second piece, if we're going to experience the presence of God, the leadership in in, in God, uh, again, we have to desire uh, the very presence of God. And and here's my point in, in this story. Again, I don't see anything wrong with them going fishing. Jesus doesn't condemn them for going fishing. He never told them they couldn't go fishing. Here's the point. While they were fishing... Jesus showed up. Here's what I want to get across to you this morning. Is we need to learn to desire to look for the presence of God in the ordinary all day long, all week long. We talk about going to church and being in the presence of God. The song we sang a moment ago, Holy is the Lord, says your presence fills this earth. Listen, if the only time you experience, the only time you seek, the only time you see the presence of God is the hour you spend in church, you are seriously spiritually malnourished. You are seriously spiritually blind. If You can't see God in the ordinary. If you can't see God as you drive down the road, and you see the sun coming up, or you see the flowers blooming, or you hear a little baby cry, if you can't experience God all day, any day, then something is wrong if we're going to experience and see the presence of God, we have got to learn to desire the presence of God more than just during church service. We've got to learn to look around and and be observant and watch for Jesus. He might just show up while you're fishing. He may just show up while you're fishing and catching nothing. I don't know about you, but I don't know that there is anything much more discouraging, depressing, disheartening than spending a day fishing and catching nothing. Unless... It is spending a night fishing and catching nothing. That is one of the worst experiences on earth. It, it's just terrible. If you've never fished or if you've never been fishing and caught nothing, you don't know. But you ask anybody who fishes and they will tell you there is nothing. It is just horrible. It is so disturbing because you know if you're sitting on the lake, you know there's fish in this stinking lake. I've got good bait. There's no reason. One of them little fellas, you know, it doesn't have to be a big one, but just one of them. If there's anything, the only other thing worse than not catching anything is not even getting a bite. But in that exact situation, if you think about it, maybe what's worse is being a professional fisherman, fishing with other professional fishermen who have been raised their whole life to be fishermen, doing everything right, doing everything by the book, and repeatedly drawing your net in over and over and over all night long and catching nothing. Can I tell you, the disciples were not looking for Jesus in that environment. Matter of fact, they may have been saying a few things that they were really hoping Jesus was nowhere around to hear. And in that exact situation, Jesus stands on the shore. He says, children, have you caught anything? No, we hadn't caught anything. <laughs> Listen, the point is this. If we're going to see Jesus, we've got to learn to look for him where we don't expect him. We've got to learn to look for Him. At times when we're not expecting Him to show up. At work. In the doctor's office. Driving down the road. We've got a desire to see Jesus. Deal with problems. Third thing that happens is then they... Discover his power.
1: Jesus says to them,
0: do you have any fish? They said, no. And he said, cast a net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. (laughs) Professional fishermen who have fished all night. How wide do you think the boat was? Let's be generous and say it was a ten foot wide boat. So seriously, we're going to move the net from here to here. And that's going to make a difference? Really? Now let's just think for a moment. They've been fishing on this side of the boat all night long. The boat probably hasn't been setting steel. It's probably been tossed around they have probably fished in that spot already just from that side of the boat. But do all the labor... Listen, we're not talking about fishing our way, where if you want to fish on the other side of the boat, you go... We're talking about heavy labor of moving that debt from one side of the boat to the other. We're talking about a major operation of moving. If we're going to see Jesus, why do we have to deal with the problems, the things that would keep us from seeing Jesus, desire to see Jesus, then we've got to trust Him when we do. You know the reason I think many of us don't experience the leadership of God in our life is because the last time he tried to lead us, we didn't listen. The last time he tried to guide us, we ignored him. Hey, aren't you that way? You ever looked at your young and when they wasn't listening, said, go ahead. Go ahead. If you can't listen, you got to feel. You ever you ever had that experience? You told somebody something, you told somebody something, and they ignored you, and you said, All right then, I ain't tell you no more. Go, on, go on and grab that hot plate. Yeah. Go ahead and stick your finger in that socket. I tried to tell you. you know, hey, it gets to the point when they don't listen, you you poke someone and say, Hey, what's this? You know, this is gonna be funny. You know. The reason many of us don't see the leadership of Christ in our life is because we still haven't done the last thing He told us to. Obedience breeds further direction. Listening to Christ brings further word from Christ. We've got to learn to trust what He told us. I, I, let, let's just have a moment of just speculation and fun. Children, have you caught any fish? No. Well, cast your net out on the other side and you'll catch some. Go jump in the lake, you crazy old man. Who are you anyway? Listen. Some of y'all look at me like, you know that's how some people were responding. There's some nut standing up on the shore telling me how to fish. I'm a professional fisherman. My daddy was a fisherman. I fished my whole life. Who do you think you are? Get you a boat and come out here and you fish over there. Yeah. yeah let's just be honest. Yeah. That's how most would respond. You know, to a backseat fisherman. You ever had a backseat driver? To a backseat fisherman. Somebody standing up on the shore, who's the best I can tell in the dark, ain't got no fish himself. And he's going to tell me how to catch a fish? I've been out here all night. Who he think he is? Let's suppose that's what the disciples would have said. There's some version. You can make it a little nicer if you want to. But let's suppose the disciples would have said, we're tired, we fished all night, we're not moving this stupid net again, we're going home. Do you suppose the rest of the story would have sounded a little different? I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have caught 153 fish. Do you think, we, just think for a moment in your mind. Feel, let your mind, give yourself permission for a moment to rewrite Scripture a second. Had they said, you're crazy. We're not, we, we, we're going home, we're tired. You know the story would have been different. It would have been vastly different. How? I don't know. I don't know. Because the disciples were obedient, because they did do what he said, and so therefore, when they did do what he said, they caught 153 fish. In fact, if you look and you read this detail, I'd never even noticed in this story. But the Bible says they caught so many fish they couldn't get them up in the boat. They just had to drag the net to up into the up to the shore. When they got there, Jesus was standing there cooking them breakfast. Had a fire, and guess what? He did have fish. He did have fish. And then we go on and we read the rest of the great story of his conversation with Peter. Why? Because they were obedient in putting the net on the other side of the boat. Something insignificant something that seemed wrong, something that went against all logic, something that made no sense, when they were obedient, things began to happen. Do you know why? Listen, I'm going to go out on a limb. Do you know why Peter preached boldly at Pentecost? Because he put the net on the other side of the boat when Jesus told him to You know why Peter is recognized and considered to be pretty much the father, the founder of the New Testament church? Because he put the net on the other side of the boat when Jesus told him to. If you want to be used of God, if you want to see God, if you want to experience the presence of God, you're obedient to Him, you trust Him, even when it makes no sense. And then finally, notice what happens. After all that happens, they cast it out. They weren't able to haul it in. And the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's being John, said, It is the Lord. And when Peter heard it, he jumped out of the ship. He, uh, he, he swam, he threw himself into the sea um, he, the disciples came in the boat uh, dragging the net full of fish uh, for they weren't far from land and when they got on land they saw the fire uh, which the fish, uh, where, where the fish uh, was laid on it. Then you discover His power. We want to see the power of God demonstrated in our life before we have dealt with the obstacles. Before we have sought him. Before we have obeyed him. We want to do this backwards, to be quite honest with you. I believe what I've shown you this morning in this text is step one, two, three, four. Only after we deal with the problems, anything that distracts us from Jesus. Only after we seek his presence, only after we obey him, then we experience his power. But honestly, where most of us are, where most Christians are, we want to experience his power. If we see his power, then we'll be obedient to him. Once then, then we want to see him more, and then we'll deal with the problems. We do it backwards. We want to see the power of God demonstrated in our life before we have done anything on our part. They didn't see a fish until they were obedient. They didn't have a fish until they saw Jesus. Until they heard from Jesus, their nets were empty. Do we want to see Jesus in our life? Do we want to experience the presence of God in our life? Do we want His leadership? Do we want to know His will? Do we want to feel His power in our life? Then it begins and goes straight down those steps. Don't try to get them out of order. Don't try to skip a step. Don't try to turn it upside down. You'll never see the power of God in your life until you deal with the problems. Anything that's that's distracting, anything that's in your way, anything that's hindering, you'll never see the power of God until you have a genuine desire
1: to see God.
0: You'll never see the power of God until you're obedient to what He's told you to do. And then we can experience the power of God in our life. We can see the presence of God in our life. And only then. Only then. Can I ask you to bow your heads this morning? Do you have a genuine desire to experience, to know, The presence of God in your life. The leadership of God. The will of God in your life. Well, from Peter's example, from the disciples' example, I've given you four steps. You've got to take them in that order. Is there anything in your life right now? Anything. It's not got to be a bad thing, but is there anything? Ask God to show it to you. Pray that God would make it clear to you, that He would reveal it to you. Is there anything, anything that is distracting, anything that is a problem that is keeping you from seeing Jesus? It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be alcohol or drugs. It doesn't have to be anything immoral or illicit. But is there anything? God, show it to me. Show it to me. God, give me a desire. I want to see you. I want to feel your power in my life. God, teach me. Help me to be obedient. Help me to be obedient so that I can see your power in my life. You're here today, you're listening online. You say, I know I'm a believer, I'm a child of God. But I desperately want to see. I desperately want to experience the presence of God, the power of God in my life. There's four steps. Will you ask God this morning to help you? to speak to you, to show you, to guide you through that process. Most importantly, you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're back at step one. What is the obstacle? What is it that's keeping you from asking Jesus into your heart? What is it that's keeping you from making Him your Lord and Savior? Are you willing to set it aside today and come and ask Christ into your life? You're here today. Would you come? Let me show you from God's Word. You're online with us. Give me a call. Send us an email. Comment. We'll reach out to you and talk to you about how you can know Jesus. How you can know Him personally. I want to see Jesus. I want to see Him in my life. I want to see Him in my church. I want to see Jesus. It begins by getting rid of the obstacles. Father, we thank You today for Your Word. God, I pray, Lord, that You would speak to our hearts this morning. God, give us a desire. Give us a burden to see You, to experience You, God, to have your power, to have your presence, to have your leadership in our life. God, let us see you. God, for Christians in this room, help us to get rid of any obstacles. Help us to have a heart's desire. God, help us to trust you so we can see your power. God, for the one that doesn't know Christ, God, stir their heart. Speak to them. God, that today would be the day that they'd come to know you. God, we'll give you the honor the glory for what you do in this room. For it's in Jesus' name I pray.
1: Amen.